Scott Walker here. Thanks for joining us on our podcast, You Can't Recall Courage. You know, one of the neat things about podcasts is we can talk in depth about issues that are really important, but sometimes overlooked by many in the mainstream media. One of those issues that relates to, oddly enough, to the coronavirus uh, is support for our private schools. Uh, that's an issue I, I feel passionately about, not just now, but, but have for years. In fact, I was just talking this week uh, in, uh, I was supposed to be there in person, but obviously because of uh, the coronavirus uh, pandemic, particularly in New York City, I wasn't able to join them in person. The event that was scheduled uh, just a few days ago for New York City originally uh, was held uh, online. Uh, thankfully, news was it was still a good success, and I was able to jo join with the folks there virtually. One of the choirs from one of the Catholic schools in New York City sang a, a wonderful closing song, and my good friend, the former Archbishop of Milwaukee uh, and now Archbishop of New York Diocese, Cardinal Timothy Dolan, uh, was with us as well. But the reason I bring that up is on Wednesday, I, I was talking um, to supporters of quality education in one of the hardest hit areas in America, uh, New York City, as I mentioned. The nonprofit group Champions for Quality Education holds this event uh, each year, and they do it because they support more than 32,000 students in 121 under-resourced Catholic elementary schools in the Archdiocese of New York. Now, much like uh, not just Catholic, but other private schools across the country, but particularly Catholic schools, uh, they overwhelmingly serve students in need. In fact, in the, uh, the 121 schools, for this particular program that I was uh, helping out with this week, uh, they serve, of those students, 70% come from families that either live near or below the poverty level. Uh, they're not just serving Catholics, uh, almost 30% of their students are non-Catholic and, and close to 60% of their students are minorities. Uh, really, the, the, not only the quality education, but the values formation they receive uh, through these schools is really critical. So they were the, their potential for success uh, in the future. And it's something I, I've been talking about for years. In fact, uh, I mentioned this the other day when speaking to the, uh, the crowd uh, via my, uh, my laptop, uh, was the simple fact that who I am uh, is a, not just who I am as, in terms of being a Christian, an American, a husband, a father, but one of my core beliefs is that every child deserves access to an excellent education. Um, you know, for some students, like my son's Matt and Alex, who had the good fortune growing up in Wauwatosa, it's going to be a traditional public school. For others, it's going to be a charter school. Uh, for others, it might be a, a, a private school, uh, either directly through tuition paid by the family or in some cases like Wisconsin, a voucher or other states, it might be a scholarship or a tax credit or something in that regard. For yet other families, it might be a virtual school experience or even a homeschool experience. Every child, I just fundamentally believe this, no matter where they come from, no matter where they live, no matter what they look like, no matter what their parents do or don't do for a living, every child deserves access to an excellent education. And unfortunately, uh, we're looking at the last two months and realizing that many of the students, many of the parents who made that choice, many of those families are facing a real threat that come this fall, those schools won't be there. Uh, obviously, with the shutdowns all across America, it affected not just private schools, uh, but public schools, as, or I should say, not just public schools, but private schools as well. Uh, 
Uh, obviously, everyone was shut down. It was overwhelmingly in a position where uh, governors and mayors and others pushed for the shutdown in, uh, in schools, in public settings, in businesses and elsewhere. The challenge now, though, is for most of our schools, even with many of the states, the majority of states in America now uh, being open in some regard or another, schools are not. And so what you see is a combination of uncertainty about the, the, the next year, the next semester. Some schools, even in Chicago, public schools are talking about not even going back till next January. But you combine the uncertainty with the shutdown, along with the financial uncertainty that many families are facing. Again, many of these cases, the, the scholarships, the tax credits, even the vouchers in some instances are really targeted towards low incomes families. And that's appropriate. That's where the, uh, the first and foremost uh, support should be provided. But for a lot of these private schools, whether they're Catholic, Jewish, Lutheran or whatever, uh, they, they ultimately get a good chunk of their enrollment from middle class families. In many cases, middle-class families who, for whatever reason or not, are just not satisfied with the, the public school education their, their children were getting or, or might get in their communities. Oftentimes, those parents I've talked to are very careful not to criticize the public schools because they realize for, for some students and some families, they're the right choice. But for others, it makes a di big difference. Now, I think back years ago, I, I met, actually was introduced to her by Rebecca Clayfish, our tremendous lieutenant governor. She introduced me to a mom who at the time, it was back in 2014 when I was running for re-election, was horribly concerned uh, about not just our re-election campaign, but specifically uh, about threats from the person running against me at the time that if that person got into office, they would eliminate school choice across the state. This mom was, uh, was in Appleton. The original uh, school choice program began in Milwaukee some 30 years ago thanks to people like Tommy Thompson and former Representative Polly Williams um, and many others, uh, uh, the Mitchells, Howard Fuller, just many folks who, uh, John Norquist over the years who made a tremendous difference in that regard. But, but I think back to not only having the Milwaukee program and all the fights and battles we had, I, you know, it started out with private schools targeted towards uh, uh, low-income families. When I came into the legislature in the 90s, I, I joined uh, with Governor Thompson and others to support expanding it to faith-based schools, saying it's a voucher, so it should be ultimately be left to the parents. That's why we call it the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program. Uh, as county executive, I fought to push back on the, really the efforts by my predecessor's governor, former Governor Jim Doe, and some of the Democrats in charge who, who tried to, to put, block uh, the success of the program, specifically by putting caps on enrollment. Of course, the problem with that is if you're a family and you've got a kid in and another kid coming up or many kids coming up, there's a cap that family would have been prevented from, from continuing uh, their, their kids at the same school. Huge problem. Tremendous challenge out there. As county executive, I joined with many others, including not just Republicans, but even some Democrats, people like Antonio Riley, uh, over time Jason Fields and others who advocated for giving families, particularly parents, the choice that was right for their, their son or daughter. And then of course, as governor, we made sure not only there weren't caps, we, we lifted the cap, we expanded it from low income uh, to middle-class families, knowing that for a lot of middle-class families out there, it might be a firefighter and a, and a nurse, it could be someone working in manufacturing or small business for so many of our, our middle-class families that are so important to keep particularly in many of our larger cities across America. They're, 
the lifeblood of keeping those cities vibrant and alive and dynamic. Uh, oftentimes, education is a key factor uh, that's in their mind when they determine whether they stay in the city or move to the suburbs or further out. We want to make sure they had choices, choices that were right for their kids as well. And these are things I was proud to do at statewide. So this, this mom, Dana, in the Appleton area, tears in her eyes tells me she hopes that this, what my opponent at the time was talking about, won't happen. Because she said her son went to a public school before the voucher program was extended statewide. And, and she was, again, careful not to criticize the public schools. She she was appreciative, uh, appreciated the effort by the, the teachers and the educators and staff there. But she said it just wasn't right for her son. Her son felt bullied. He had no interest in school. He hated going there. He was doing poorly in his classes. And uh, even though she lived on a relatively modest salary, <coughs> excuse me, when the time became available for us to open up the door for vouchers, not just in Milwaukee or Racine, but all across the state, she was one of the first uh, people to take advantage of, one of the first parents to actively get her son enrolled in a private school with a voucher. And she said the transformation was remarkable. Uh, her son not only felt good about going to school, his grades went up, he was in the band and on the football team. Uh, she said, hey, you know, uh, for a lot of kids, the public school is gonna be the right place. But for families like hers, particularly for her son, that school, that private faith-based school was the right choice at the right time for them. Uh, and it made all the difference in the world. And she just knew she was so filled with passion uh, that if that was taken away, how devastating it would be to her son and to his future. Flash forward now to uh, 2020 and, and all the concerns out there about everything to do with COVID-19. You can see there's a tremendous concern that families like hers, particularly families like hers who may not have a voucher, or may not have a scholarship, or may not qualify for that, that they're worried now with uh, people being unemployed, underemployed, um, maybe facing a pay cut, whatever it might be, because of all the financial uncertainty, there is a real challenge out there for our private schools across America to stay intact. And, and uh, you know what, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to give you some numbers, some data to reinforce that point, and then make a few suggestions of what we can do and why it's important, not only for the level of quality education that so many students receive, at private schools across the country. But I want to touch for a minute why it also has an economic impact as well as an impact on the public taxpayers uh, in terms of public schools, not just the impact on private schools. We'll be right back. Hey, Scott Walker here back on our podcast, You Can't Recall Courage. As I was saying, some real concerns. We see it across the country. Uh, and it's not just Catholic schools, although uh, the National Catholic Education Association says that... Uh, because of the financial concerns and other challenges, uh, in fact, many of those financial challenges for many of the Catholic and other private schools, because they were serving, in, in many cases, high numbers of underprivileged families to begin with. So they always had, uh, particularly if they were in a state uh, where there wasn't a, a strong voucher or uh, some sort of scholarship or tax credit program, many of them were already facing real challenges. But uh, the... Uh, the National Catholic Education Association says at least 100 schools are expected not to reopen in the fall. Um, I, I think that number probably ends up being much higher, sadly, because the leaders of a number of other schools are scrambling to find alternatives 
going into the fall semester, you got it from one end of the country to the other. Uh, we see as many as 100 schools anywhere from California to Massachusetts, New Jersey, Maryland, Missouri, Texas, Pennsylvania. Remarkably, even the alma mater of uh, U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, her school that she went to in Baltimore is closing. It was the, it's the oldest uh, all-girls Catholic school in the state of Maryland. And in light of all these challenges, particularly related to the pandemic, it's closing. Now, you see that the postponement of the spring semester already at nearly every school in the country, combined with the significant financial stress for so many American families, is kind of a one-two punch to many private schools. Again, particularly those, and that's the huge numbers of, of schools that, that are located in some of the most economically challenged areas uh, this country has. We know this is going to be a challenge because we saw it, and I think it's far worse now than it was a little over a decade ago. But after the last recession, we saw signs uh, of schools closing. According to the National Council of Economic Statistics, total enrollment of private elementary and secondary schools dropped by almost a half a million, 421,720 students from the fall of 2007 to the fall of 2009. I think those numbers could be far, far worse uh, when we see what happens going into the fall semester. Uh, this is a challenge that we see all across the country. I, I was just earlier in the year when we were still traveling. I'm a full disclosure on the board of the American Federation for Children, a, a nationwide uh, organization that, that helps try to support quality education in the private sphere uh, for uh, students across the country, but particularly for low-income students. We were in Florida. We got an update on the efforts there and what I found is, according to the nation's most significant, the largest scholarship granting organization, which is Step Up for Students in Florida, according to the uh, uh, survey they've done of their schools, 73% of the leaders of the 634 Florida private schools who responded to that survey said they were experiencing declines in re-enrollment for the fall. On top of that, many parents who are not using a tax credit scholarship said they might not even be able to pay tuition next year and nearly 60% said that uh, what they hear from parents has them worried about the viability of their school for the coming year. That to me is a sign that whether it's in New York, in California, in Wisconsin, in Florida, in Arizona, uh, private schools are facing some real challenges out there. Now, to me, like I said, the, the, the fact that you overwhelmingly, we saw it here over the years is the school choice program, the parental a choice program has expanded that parents like Dana that I mentioned from Appleton and others in Milwaukee and Racine across the state, as well as others in similar programs across the country, talk about the tremendous impact it's had on their son or daughter and their family. Just a tremendous impact. So for that alone, it's worth fighting for making sure that that every child has access to this excellent education. But it's more than just preserving that opportunity at these private schools. It has uh, other ramifications. Uh, think about the numbers of, uh, of teachers and staff and others at private schools across the country. If those schools or significant numbers of them go away, uh, that is an employment issue as well. But probably the most significant that really gets next to no coverage out there is the fact that it will cost the public system. It will cost public education money if the private schools shut down or even a significant number do. 
The latest data available from, uh, again, the same group I talked about, the National uh, Council of Economic Statistics, shows that there's about 5.7 million, 5.7 million students enrolled in private schools all across America. So think about that. If just 20%, if just 20% of those students currently enrolled in those private schools uh, had to go to public schools because their school closed down, that would cost state and states, <coughs> excuse me, states all across America and school districts about $15 billion. On top of that, I know that'd be true here in Wisconsin. When I look at Milwaukee, uh, one of the things that has been a relief for the public system is is with the private schools and, and still the strong, solid majority of all the students in the city of Milwaukee still go to traditional public schools. But if you took away the 20% or, or more uh, in many of our urban areas across the co country where there are some sort of programs out there that are enrolled in private schools, there's just not enough capacity. Milwaukee couldn't take on the capacity. Uh, certainly other places couldn't take on that capacity. And so as we look ahead for what can be done in Washington, if there ever is another uh, bill related to COVID-19, what can be done in our states, what can be done even in our local jurisdictions, I think it's critically important. It's really critically important uh, that we make sure that we, one, keep intact the programs that are out there, the, 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 the vouchers in Wisconsin, the tax credits, the uh, scholarship programs, the other elements that are out there to provide assistance uh, for families to ensure that their children can go to quality, uh, can receive a quality education at private schools uh, in their respective state and jurisdiction. We, we also should encourage our policymakers at state and local levels to, to, for those states and those jurisdictions that haven't done this already to think about, is there another way uh, that they can provide support and help at this key time? And as I mentioned, for the president, members of the House and the Senate, I think if there is any additional action, and who knows, uh, certainly it's not going to be in the form of what uh, Speaker Pelosi put forward a couple of weeks ago at $3 trillion. But if there is some sort of additional package going forward, I think it's only right to consider a way to help make sure that, as I stated, every child in America should have access to an excellent education, whether it's at a traditional public school, a charter school, a private school, a voucher school, a virtual school, a homeschool experience. Every child, every child deserves access to an excellent education. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. Uh, you can't recall courage. Until next time, keep fighting for freedom.